You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Community Church. Actually, you should be saying to me, welcome to Grace Community Church. We've been going for three and a half weeks. It's really nice to be back. My wife is originally from Australia. We just missed seeing Jenny Tate. She was flying out as we were getting there, and then she got in just before we uh, <clears throat> left, and so we missed seeing her. We were in communication a little bit, but um, it was a great time there. Of course, half of that time was spent on a plane, uh, which would make Steve Wills happy, I suppose, but nobody else, to, to be flying around all over the place forever it takes to get back and forth. And thank you for praying for our safety while we were in Central Australia, the outback with all those deadly animals. I did kill a few pieces of lint on me. Uh, but other than that, we didn't see any dangerous stuff. You didn't, you didn't know this, I don't think. Uh, we didn't actually make this public. But the first night we were in Central Australia, uh, or the second night, actually, Allison, that cellulitis came back on her arm. We were like six hours from the nearest airport and, I mean, nearest, uh, I just think in terms of airport on this trip, nearest hospital. But fortunately, she had um, antibiotics with her and our brother-in-law who was with us is a doctor and he prescribed, all right, jump on it early and, and so it went away, but that was quite frightening. So <laughs> I'm sure the Lord... The Holy Spirit translated some of your prayers for us into that particular area. But it's very good to, to be back and thinking about Colossians. I've been thinking about it all along because I've been following uh, the messages the guys were, were preaching here. And I, and I wanted to ask you, have you ever found yourself in a, in a setting where you just didn't know quite what to do? There were a lot of people in this place and... Everybody else seemed to know what to do, but you really didn't know what to do. It's like, as a kid, that happens a lot. So what do you do as a child? When you don't know what, you just watch what someone else is doing. In fact, your parents probably told you, just watch me, do what I do, everything will be okay. But even as an adult, you may be in a place where, you know, they've got four forks and three spoons, and, and you don't have any idea what and when, and so you just... Watch. You always start from the outside, but beyond that, you're like, okay, is it time for this fork? Is it time for that spoon? What do we, what have we got going? And so you watch, and then you do it like, you know, just so cool, like you've got this all along. And then after you've done it two or three times, you, you, you feel much more comfortable in what was once an unfamiliar setting. I, I think the Christian life is like that for a lot of people. You know what it's like when you first become a Christian, especially if you're a little older in life, and maybe your family uh, didn't follow the Lord all those years, and you become a Christian, and you're really not sure how to act, and so you do the same thing. You just watch other people, and over time, you learn what to do, and you certainly learn what not to do as well, and it just seems like sometimes you lack the ability to do what you know is the right thing to do. The life of a disciple is more than simple imitation, although several times the Apostle Paul calls for his readers to imitate his life and the lives 
of the church leaders and, and, the, and the author of Hebrews does the same thing. He says, follow those who are leading you. Follow their faith, their example. And you will be more like Christ. We all know, however, that the Christian life is far more than following a carefully structured model. Christianity is not so much a religion or a way of life as it is a relationship that results in a whole new life. If we are not directly connected with Jesus, then we're not Christians. It's that simple. Either you're connect, you know Jesus or you're not a believer. Even so, there is a fair amount of imitation involved in this life. The successful Christian life is a matter of both choice on our part, choosing to do the right thing, and then Holy Spirit power. We choose to do those things that the Word teaches us and that we see others doing, and then Holy Spirit power gives us the ability to, to live that life. But when we look at the commands of God in Scripture for those who follow Him, we're faced with the reality that is much larger than a, a, a um, to imitate or not imitate. That is the question, kind of approach to how this life should be lived. I mean, are we free in Christ, free from legalistic adherence to the do's and don'ts that we see so many Christians do? Oh, the Christian life is about this. David talked about moralistic, therapeutic deism a few weeks ago. Uh, that is very much the way a lot of Christians live their lives. Or people who are in church, they say, well, you just got to do the right thing. Hope everything turns out all right. Just do the best that you can. That's all God expects out of you. Are we free from those kinds of do's and don'ts? Well, yes, we are. At the same time, does the believer face an even higher standard? of morality, of behavior, of, of thought life? Uh, yes, we do. We, we, we face a higher standard of living than those in the Old Testament under the law faced. <clears throat> I mean, I think we can all agree that when Jesus says, look, if you, if you hate somebody, you're guilty of murder. If you lust after someone else physically, sexually, then you are guilty of adultery. That's a higher standard. The kingdom standard is, is a higher standard of living than, than, than those who lived under the law. But look, if we had no chance of keeping the Ten Commandments, much less all of the law, no chance of that last one, don't covet what is not yours, much less all of the law, then how in the world can we be expected to live to an even higher standard? Well, fortunately, God addresses this question in our, our text this morning, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. is one of those keys in Scripture that opens the door of understanding uh, to this rather complex New Testament issue, which really, in the end, is not all that complex. Our text again, Colossians 3, 1 to 4. I, I know you've enjoyed the last three weeks of messages that Ricky and David and Scott have preached from Colossians 2, and everything they've said has been foundational for what is going to be said from this point on in Colossians 3. In fact, you look at most commentaries, and Colossians 3, 1 to 4 is far more often connected to Colossians 2 than it is what follows it in the minds of a lot of academics. But there's no question that this passage very much informs everything that is said 
from here out in Colossians. You should know that if anyone has any hope of preaching uh, the text from Colossians 2 effectively, then they're going to have to do a great deal of preparation, study, and be blessed by the Holy Spirit's presence uh, as, as they're going to have to do that as they preach. And it's evident that our guys were three for three over these past weeks. Allison and I were blessed to be in three very different services in Australia. The first service we were in was at St. Phil's Anglican Church. And it really, it, you would feel like it's Grace Down Under, Grace Community Church Down Under if you went. It's very much like, like the service here. You just get that same kind of a feel. And then the following week, we heard Mike Rader preach, who sends his greetings, by the way. Mike and Sarah send their greetings to us as missionaries. Mike and uh, Sarah attend St. Paul's Old Cathedral Church, Anglican Church in Melbourne. And uh, David Calvert especially would like it because it's on the corner of King Street and Batman. Batman Street, just imagine. <laughs> so, uh, and, and it was, we were following like a 1622 Anglican service. It was, it was very formal. Uh, at one point, uh, this old man, 90 years old, 91 maybe or two, it was his turn to read scripture, and so he opened the door. This is, again, imagine this church. He opened the door on the pew, walked out, and just got up to the stage and got his papers. And he was reading from Genesis, and he was like, And the Lord God said, and it's like the voice of God coming, you know. <laughs> and, it, and Mike told me afterwards he was an actor, so it didn't surprise me. He was, it, was, it was really cool. I mean, it's just, you, you don't expect it. Then last week, we were at another church that, I don't know if they're connected with a Baptist church, but it's a, very, it's a very active Pentecostal church, really. And their worship was a lot like our worship, uh, maybe a little more lively, a little more dancing in the aisles when people were, were, were singing. But um, some interesting, interesting, I, I was forced as we look, I looked at all of these different styles of worship and I think about all of these brothers and sisters in Christ who don't do it exactly like we do it but the fact that we're all part of one body and I see danger points here or there in the way that it's doing and then realize that we probably have our own blind spots about what's what's really the way it ought to be one of the things that is true for all of us is that we are in Christ, if we have repented of our sin, we have acknowledged, we have said to God, I believe that I'm the kind of sinner you say that I am. And I believe that the work of Christ was sufficient for me. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was indeed payment for my sin. And I will follow you with all of my days. Um, then we belong to Jesus. So we had a great time worshiping in those three different churches, and we had such a wonderful time in the land of Allison's birth, uh, sharing life with family and friends. It was, the, it was the best time I've ever had there. I mean, I just felt more at home and, and you know, finally quit saying, okay, I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. Um, it, we just enjoyed it. Um, we were practicing for the dessert competition tonight. We had five meals a day pretty much. 
because they have morning tea and afternoon tea. And, and you know, you're visiting old friends and, and they're making not one incredibly delicious dessert, but three incredibly delicious desserts. And Allison just told me this year that I don't have to eat everything, some of everything, you know. Uh, so I figured that out. So even though we're uh, jet lag silly, it's very good to be home with family and friends. And for those of you, by the way, that I don't know, I I'm seeing like a lot of new faces that apparently some of you have been coming over the last three weeks. I would love to meet you either this morning back there or tonight at our dessert competition. I realize that if you're checking out uh, Grace as a potential place to be, you know, you just want to get a feel for it before you get too far in. Let me just encourage you to come tonight. Um, look, if, if the Lord places you here, we are so happy. But if this is not the place for you, we're okay with that. Come and enjoy fellowship with us tonight. We're going to have a good time starting at 6.30, correct? I'm correct about that, 6.30. <clears throat> so in just a moment, again, this may be new for some of you. I want to talk about it just a little bit. We're going to stand for the reading of our text out of respect for God's word. But I just want to say a word about this practice. <clears throat> Think about it for a moment. Allison and I had had the opportunity to witness to several people in our travels on this, on this trip. And one person we were talking to was saying, well, I, I, I can tell you this. Uh, I don't think, if the Lord wants people to believe in him, he's not doing a very good job with all these men of the cloth. I don't know if you know about uh, Cardinal George Pell just was extradited back to Australia to face charges of sexual abuse. He had been part of the cover-up of the Catholic Church, and now he's being brought back to face charges for actually being involved in the abuse. And, and she says, well, I, I don't think God's doing a very good job with that, all of that and all the wars. And, and, and very gently, you know, we, we said as much as possible, you know, if there is a perfect and sovereign God who created the world, I don't think we get to tell him how he's doing his job. I mean, he said that, you know, like I say, not, not mockingly at all, but just when you think about it, God is God, and we have to deal with that. We're the ones that have to adjust. Can't require him to adjust to what we think is right or wrong. He's the one who determines that. If he's God at all, he gets to determine that. So, when we think about knowing God, we can only know him if he has revealed himself to us. If he chooses to reveal himself to us, and he has done so. In his word, through the prophets of the Old Testament and who, who wrote the word of God, through Jesus, his son. And in our day, as we wait for Jesus to return, we understand his ways from his word. And also he has ordained that the preaching of the word be one of the ways that we understand his design for our lives. And how we are to live in this day. And with that in mind, no wonder we stand out of respect for the word that God has revealed himself through to us. So, aren't you grateful that God has done that? I mean, to, <laughs> today, our text is Colossians 3, 
1 to 4. And as this word of God and as this, this, this idea of our union with Christ is not only some abstract idea with very little practical application, it's rather our very breath in life. As we read about that in Colossians 1, 3, 1 through 4, we're going to extend the reading all the way through verse 17 and see how it all fits together. We'll do this for three weeks in a row. Read this entire text, but just take pieces of it at a time. So with that, we'll get started. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's word, Colossians 3. We'll read from verse 1 all the way through verse 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, as we just sang about. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. <clears throat> For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. <clears throat> put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have not left us here without telling us how to relate to you and how to live this life. And, and indeed, we find that even as you give us the commands, you give the power, the ability to live through this, live in this way, not just because you, uh, Lord, make us worthy of living this way, but because Christ is in us. We pray that we would understand our union with him at a new and higher level. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Well, as I, I was mentioning, I've been able to, to listen to all three messages online while I was away. And I am convinced that you now know everything that you need to know about Mr. Potato Head. So uh, I won't go there. It was a great analogy by Ricky and then great follow-up with uh, David and Scott. And that's the way so many people treat the Christian life. It's just peace here, peace there. So very important teaching these last three weeks, and, and well done at that. Here at Grace, again, if, if you're new at Grace, there are three things that we're attempting to do every Sunday morning when the word is being preached. First, explain the meaning of the text, and that often involves addressing the social, the religious and social context surrounding the writing of the book, as was, again, well done these last three weeks. And, and in addition, it, it often involves some detailed explanation of the gr grammatical and vocabulary notes uh, of interest in the Hebrew and the Greek, Greek text. Secondly, we're trying to bring application to the present day. <coughs> Apply the ancient text to today's world. As interesting as it was to learn about the Jewish and the Greek impact on the Colossians in the first century through religion and philosophy, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? I mean, when when... When they were talking about it, Scott was talking about it last week, you're, you're like, wow, that's, that feels just like today. When you've got all of these mixes coming at you. Uh, many people want to say today that the Bible has had its day and it's no longer relevant. And they could not possibly be more wrong. Part of the preacher's job is to apply the text from then to today's life. And then third, provide principles for studying the Bible. Uh, most often this happens without being stated. You, you heard a lot of principles for big picture Bible study in the last three weeks. And again, this is another thing I just want to say since there are several of you who have only been coming a few weeks or maybe this is your first time. If you come in and you hear something said from the pulpit at Grace, you might say, I never heard that before. I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I get that. I understand that. If you're here for a year, you will get why it was said. Now, you may not agree with it, but you're going to at least understand. We treat the Bible so often in a bumper sticker kind of way. You know, we hear a phrase, we, we hear a word. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does that mean to you? That your golf swing will get, you know, the, if you just work at it, you're there. What does it mean that you'll get the job that you want or, or whatever? No, it means that, look, whether I'm in need or whether I am abounding with riches that God has given me, I can do everything according to the way that God wants me to do. That's the context of it. So we don't treat on Sunday mornings, don't treat Scripture as if it was written with a great verse here, a great verse there, and the rest of it, well, you know, it's not so. It, it's, it's a whole. It's a part of a whole. That's one of the advantages of going through a book like we're doing now in Colossians. And another thing that you have heard over and over in these last three weeks is the phrase, in Christ. The whole book of Colossians emphasizes this truth. And in fact, it is all over the New Testament. It's 
been far more understood throughout the history of the church than it is in our present day. That this is our life in Christ, is our union with Him. We've gotten away from that, partly because there's this bumper sticker Christianity kind of mentality. <clears throat> and then our particular brand of American evangelicalism, you, you will sense the differences in, an, in another country when you're there. But our particular brand of, of American evangelicalism is we can do this kind of a thing. Jim and I were talking the other day. <clears throat> What's the vision for the church? What's the purpose of the church? Preach the gospel. Let God do his, his work as he wants to. That doesn't mean we need to ignore things around us. Absolutely, we need to be involved in the needs of the community and the needs of, of people that we're in. In, in touch with, but our primary purpose is to preach the gospel and to make sure that it stays pure. And part of it is that we are in Christ. It's not like I'm going to impress God with how good I am and how well I live this life. No, our life, as we've read, is in Jesus. So it, it's a reality that we seem to be... Uh, very little aware of and, and, and practicing. Our text states this truth plainly. And when you look at, at Colossians 3, 1 to 4, along with other New Testament passage that express, express the same truth in slightly different ways, an understanding begins to take shape in your heart and mind that has the potential to change your life. What we consider today will permeate the 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 life that is prescribed for believers in the rest of our study in Colossians. So chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now look, I, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, in the Greek, that's a first-class conditional sentence. Am I right? Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> okay, maybe not. Uh, the technical definition of a first-class conditional sentence is that it assumes the premise is true for the sake of the argument. It assumes. The Apostle Paul it says, if you have been raised with Christ, but he assumes that they have been. I mean, truly, we could write this. We could have translated. The writers could have translated this. Since you have been raised with Christ. Because this is true of you, <laughs> then seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, to be raised with Christ assumes, does it not, that we have died with Christ. That is only logical, but we don't have to assume the truth. It's, it's mentioned, it's spelled out for us in Colossians 2.20, as we read last week. Furthermore, there is no doubt that the truth of Colossians 2, 13, and 14 is central to the entire argument of Colossians, where we're told that Jesus nailed the crimes we had committed to his cross and thus canceled the debt that we owed for sin. It is as if the prison doors were open to a condemned criminal who was then told, go in peace. Your debt to society has been satisfied. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? I, 
I want this image to wash over our hearts and minds. Just think, you're in a jail cell waiting to be taken for execution. The next time that door is open, you're going to be taken away. And you're going to die. Not only will you die, but you will suffer terribly for all eternity apart from the goodness of God. Your eyes are closed because you haven't slept all night. And then you hear the door opening. You hear that, <clears throat> you hear that buzz and the door opens. And your eyes open wide, but instead of armed guards to take you away, the prison warden is standing with a smile on his face. And he says, you are free to go. Another has died in your place. Okay, you can open your eyes. So what, what would you do next? I mean, would you go back to your old ways, thinking little of the person who took your place and, and thinking about the law, which can no longer condemn you? Would you just go out and say, hey, party time, let me call my friends? Or would you walk out of the prison, a new man or woman, with the heart to live worthy of the freedom that you've been given? That's the choice that we face. How are we going to live? Now, wait a minute. Is it, is it a choice to live right, that we make to live righteously? Or are we utterly dependent on God for the power to live in this way? Well, that's an easy one. Yes is the answer to that. It's, it's both of these things. So Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Look, our spiritual freedom is not due to some quirk in the system or from a miscarriage of justice. Freedom for all eternity is ours because Jesus died in our place. And when we think about Jesus dying in our place, we dying on the cross for us, we tend to think about that alone. He died in our place. It's true, but it's also true, the New Testament teaches, that it's as if we died. When he died, we died as well. It's like that payment for sin that, that he made, not us, brought about our death to that old way of life. When he rose again, we rose with him. Yet the reality of who we are as sons and daughters of Adam is with us every day until the day that we die. All of us are in Adam. When we are saved, the Lord takes us out of Adam and puts us into Christ. We are now in Christ. We are no longer in Adam. But Adam is in us until the day that we die. That's going to be the greatest thing about standing before Jesus. The old man in us, the old woman is no longer there. It's gone. We are just fully, only inhabited by Christ. So the reality, though, of, of Adam in us and, and, and being sons and daughters 
of his may make us grow cynical thinking that the life we long to live in Jesus is impossible for us. Not for others, maybe, because I look around and I see everybody else doing a whole lot better than me. Call it the Facebook, Facebook effect, you know. It's kind of like uh, we all present a particular life, but that's not really what we're living. And the more we think others are doing well, the worse we feel about ourselves. So what do you do? Just make others think you're doing well as well. But you know deep down it's not true. And your identity feels like it's more with Adam and Eve than it does with Jesus. The truth of today's text is that while the old man still lives in us, our identity is in Christ. Therefore, seek the things that are above. Seek the values of heaven rather than the values of this present age that demand your attention and demand that you conform. You must be this way. No, no, I'm sorry. I, I can't be that way. My identity is in Christ. So why seek things that are above? Because that is where Jesus is, seated at the right hand of God. You may recall several weeks ago that I mentioned that the imagination is an important part of understanding our union with Christ. Uh, I, I, I realize that imagination can get away from us in a, in a very big hurry. And that's why we have to stay grounded in the word. By the way, just to throw it out there, I heard years ago uh, someone say that the image of God is most clearly seen in the imagination. Not so much in the intellect or ability to a reason, but in the imagination. Because when we are creating, we are most like God. It's kind of like I heard Sean Cross. This is the kind of stuff our kids are going to hear this week, our, our students. Sean Cross say, when we are forgiving our enemies, maybe we're never more like Jesus than we are at that moment. Um, and so the imagination, though, that God has given us, while it is possible to get away from us, can be very helpful for us. Um, look, the book of Revelation Tells us about heaven, doesn't it? Now, it's not exact. It's an apocalyptic uh, genre of literature. And so everything is, there's not a one-to-one -one correspondence. And John was doing the best he could describing what he saw. Fortunately, he had the Holy Spirit helping him. But you can sense that he's unable to describe everything that he sees, even though he wants to very badly. We just think there are powerful angels that worship the Lord night and day. There's an incredible order in heaven. And everything occurs just exactly when it's supposed to occur. There is a throne on which God sits in incredible majesty. And the lamb that was slain steps out of the throne as the only one worthy to open the book of judgment on the earth. And by extension, the book of life that contains all the names those who are in Christ. Furthermore, the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And it is only through him that we have access to the Father at his throne of grace. Not in fear, but in confidence and assurance. And then in Ephesians 1.18, Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts understanding would be open to the hope that we have in Christ. So, 
Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and you are in Christ. There's so much more coming these next two or three weeks uh, from other passages in the New Testament. And our hope is in Christ. So if Jesus is at the right hand of God, look up. Choose to cast your eyes on Jesus. Not simply on the benefits, the benefits of his crucifixion and resurrection, but on him. Can we know God apart from his benefits to us? Can we even praise God? We talk about praise you, Lord, for who you are, but we know him because of his goodness to us, and we praise him for all that he has done for us. But we are called to cast our eyes on him. This week, when you're tempted to sin, whether it be with an unkind word or, or watching something that you know would not be pleasing to the Lord, or, or turning over in bed for another snooze, Look up, literally lift your eyes, not, not, don't go, you know, walk around like this, gazing up and wistfully up into the heavens. That's not what I'm talking about. But if it would just help you as a reminder, just look up. As I was thinking about this, um, these past few weeks, I, I just, one morning in particular, I was praying, <coughs> Lord, just help me to be <laughs> aware of my union with Christ. And I can't tell you what a difference it made in that day. Things that happened that might, you know, frustrate me or whatever. Just didn't. Because I was, I was allowing Jesus to do what I was incapable of doing myself. So here's another way. To look to Jesus. Set reminders to think about your hope in Christ. Maybe on your phone. Maybe, maybe just at mealtimes, regular intervals during the day. I'm going to think about my union with Christ. Better still, get in the word every day. Look, since the earliest days of the church, believers have understood the value of Bible reading and meditation and prayer. And while it can certainly become a legalistic uh, in, in endeavor, if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, there's, there's a far better chance that he is going to grow large in your life, in your heart, and you will understand more of your identity and your union with him. Furthermore, as you have heard repeatedly in the last several weeks, the, the important ability, ability to discern between truth and error, and, and, and know this, most of you have heard me say several times, the closer error is to truth, the more dangerous it is. You've heard that truth being presented over and over this last week because the Colossians were faced with that. Paul was just encouraging them. The, the ability to discern between truth and error is greatly enhanced when you understand church to mean more to you, or when church means more to you than just a group of individuals who gather weekly to perform their Christian duty. If you understand and treat church as the called out covenant community of God with Jesus at the head, it will help you to keep your eyes fixed on him on a continual basis. 
Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, living in the way that he desires is not easy. Why, why should we live such a life when it's such a sacrifice? Colossians 3, 3 and 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In other words, our life, as a, the life of a believer is no longer truly here. Nor are our lives our own. We don't get to say, well, it's my life. I can do anything that I want to. You just think about how, how unbiblical the world's philosophy is. It's my life. I can do what I just half of the songs are like, hey, nobody's doing this to Mom. I, 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 me, me, me. Or I should have said me, 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 me. Oh. Enough of that. Look, we are very much in the world, but the kingdom of God is different than this world. And in fact, the kingdom of God is breaking into this world through the church through God's children, through the body of Christ. But how can it break through when we look just like the world? And a big, big way that we look like the world, we may not participate in some of the activities that they do, but we find ourselves being the God of our own lives. I'm in charge of my life. I've planned it all out. Here's the way it's going to go. Ultimately, we belong to the kingdom of God. We're, we're of this world, but our identity is no longer in the world. We do not seek the world's applause, nor do we draw our meaning from things that are passing away. Does it really matter how many likes you have? Is, that, is it really that important? Do you think... In, 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 when, when you're in heaven, that you're going to go up to somebody and say, hey, remember that picture I did? You know how many likes I got on that? How many likes? Our life is in Christ. Yes, it's fine to be all in it. I hope you looked at our pictures. I hope you liked all the pictures that we, that we put on. But that's not where our life is. We do not need the world's permission to believe what the Bible says about truth about what is right and wrong, although we must always speak, speak the truth in love, not in self-righteousness. Our lives are hidden in Jesus, and that has implications not only for eternal life, but for this life as well. So, I will ask you if you feel like, do you feel like you have died to sin and that you have been raised to live righteously. I love Ricky's focus on thinking and feeling and how it's all part of the balance and we balance one another out and God has made we uh, interact when we interact with one another and the ways that God has made us differently from one another, completing the body. You may not feel that you have died to sin and then been raised to live righteously because you struggle so much with your attitudes and your words and your thoughts and with temptation. 
I, I doubt there's anybody here that could say, you know, there's no one particular sin that I really struggled with. I mean, we all struggle with one particular sin at least, don't we? Anger, lust, um, lack of discipline in this or that. No, it could be that you're grateful for the promise that you will be with the Lord for all eternity, but maybe you would prefer that he not appear quite so soon because you need to get your act together. You'd be ashamed if the Lord came right now the way you're living. And I just need some time to get my life together. In fact, if you're not like that, I'm more worried about you than I am the others. We want the Lord to come, but man, I wish, surely wish I could have gotten victory over this thing or that. But, but look, is that our hope? Is that our hope as believers to get our act cleaned up before the Lord returns? That there's, there's that motivation in Scripture. 1 John 3, 1 to 3. If we have this hope in ourselves, we purify. We have the hope that Jesus is coming back. We want to be ready for him. But is that our hope to clean up our act? Look, that is what so many were saying to the Colossians. As Scott mentioned last week, you, you just need to be more committed to religious practices. <clears throat> you need to plan for the kind of life that you want to live. But if you are in Christ, you know as David said, the impulse to be better is in all the people. It's not unique to us. We all want to be better. It can leave us deeply discouraged, though, when our lives don't match, do not match our desire to do better. So how can we break the power of sin? We cannot. But Jesus has, and our union with him promises the same in our lives. But, look, there's so much more to say about the truth that we have begun to absorb this morning. And we'll be returning to this truth, our union with Christ, over and over in the next few weeks as we receive instruction for how to live as individuals, corporately as a church, and in our families, with our parents, with our, with, with our children, and our work life. We'll think about the balance between faith and in Christ's finished work and the good works to which believers are called. We'll think about the balance between God's extravagant grace and his call on believers' lives yet called discipleship. We'll think about what it means to be in the already not yet reality that exists for those who are in Christ. We'll consider the ways that God's Designed for his church helps us to achieve the balance between thinking and feeling and the proper use of philosophy and how the church can help us avoid the error that is so dangerously close to the truth. Is it possible for us to be more like Jesus? Well, yes, it is. In fact, that's what his design is. That we be conformed to the image of Christ. And that comes, by the way, in Romans 8, just after Romans 8, 28, how things can go really badly, but all things are working together for good. Our lives are already hidden in Christ. Meditate deeply and dwell in this truth this week. You are united with Jesus. Believe what he says about your life in Christ, regardless of what the evidence of your life is is shouting to you is the truth.
Believe that you were united with Christ and that you don't have to sin. We will, of course, because, like I say, Adam is with us till the day we die. But God is bringing about a change in your life through Christ. Focus on him. One last time, hear God's word to you as followers of Jesus Christ. If then, in verse 1, or since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. By the way, good news. The sin that just devastates you right now, that you just are sick of, you wish so badly you could be different, you could be better than that, that's going to happen one day when, you, when Jesus appears. That life will be complete for all of us. That's our hope. That's the beauty of our union with Christ. This, this earth is passing away. This life is passing away. But what will stand forever is your union with Christ. That's good news. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I, the, it, this tension of how a believer who has the power of the Holy Spirit ought to live and how we live in reality will be with us till the day we die. But Lord, cast our hearts to Jesus. May we be so grateful for his work on the cross and for the salvation that we have in him and the resurrected life that you have given us. May we be so grateful that it becomes the reality in our hearts and minds. Lord, we confess that we are sinful people. We've done some things this week. We've said some things. We've thought some things that just ought not to be done, said, or thought by believers. We're thankful for the gift of repentance that we'll talk about far more fully next week. That puts us in that beautiful cleansed spot. So Lord, we look to Jesus. Uh, the author and finisher of our salvation. The one who is seated at the right hand of God. And, and, and it's the only reason we can approach you this morning without terror in our hearts is because of Jesus. Turn our eyes to him this week. The one in whose name we pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.